And if you're lying to your therapist, you're <laughs> lying to, to yourself. yourself. Amen. Amen. You should change it to a woman. A woman. A woman. That'll go down in her story. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna cut that out. Shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Hi. And welcome to Dead Mom Society, the club that nobody wants to be in. We get you. Let's do this. This week, we have a very special treat for you. We interviewed our friend Steven, who we have known since college, and he has a very cool story of loss that is not death. Mm-hmm. And we really get into some some stuff. So we're excited for you guys to hear this episode for sure. But I do want to put a little disclaimer out there. The audio sucks. (laughs) It doesn't suck. You can hear Steven. You can hear him so well. He sounds great. At the time, we only had one microphone. And so Mel and I are very quiet. So you might have to go between raising the volume when we ask questions and then lowering it again when Steven comes back (laughs) to the microphone. So we're very sorry, but it's worth it. It's worth it for this episode. It's so valuable. Mel and I are still reeling about the lessons that we learned, and we recorded this episode nearly two months ago, so if we're still talking about it and everything that we learned, hopefully our listeners will be as well. Absolutely. And yes. this is the Dead Mom Society. However, it doesn't have to be a dead person, mm-hmm. and we really want to touch on that for grief. It could be a dead relationship. It could be a dead past. Grieving comes in many different forms, not just when you physically lose the person that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're super excited to have this kind of different look at grief, and um, yeah. But before we do that, Mel, how was your week? How have your past couple of weeks been? My week was great. I actually had COVID, but besides that, I had a wonderful Zoom conversation um, with a potential person who I'm watching their dog, and um, she just brought up grief out of nowhere. Uh, which has been happening to Kate and me a lot ever since we started this podcast. And it was really lovely to connect and just kind of listen to someone's view on grief and how it relates to everyone, but also relates to her specifically. Mm-hmm. What about your week, Kate? How was your week? My last couple of weeks have been great. Um, I also had COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that nasty lady. She's come after all of us. Yeah, and we're triple vaxxed. So I, what we the vaxxed. actual heck? I know it was nuts, but I uh, had a really, actually really fun New Year's Eve. I was by myself in my apartment, but I <laughs> cooked myself a really nice dinner and put on some makeup and donned a really pretty dress and just danced around with a, a so bunch much. of martinis. Yeah. Which I paid the price for the next day, so then I watched three Harry Potter movies along <laughs> with the special, so I really had a great start to my year. I love it. It's just been filled with Harry Potter, and just, you know, trying to make the most of everything, so it's been good. And just to, you know, relate it back to one of our previous episodes, Mel and I were just talking, and I was talking about how I've just been having so much fun and having so much external goodness that... I haven't really been focusing that much on my internal and I had never actually thought about that until we did our episode of giving one of them a break when the other one is really fun and full and you're putting a lot of focus on that. So I'm learning things yes. <laughs> while doing this episode, these episodes as well. So it's been really fun. It's been really fun to apply things we're learning as we're still grieving. Yeah. In real time. Real time. It's people. pretty cool. It's really cool. Yeah. So we hope you guys are getting 
stuff out of it as well. But we've said this before. We hope we hope you are. Yes. But we are, so we're still going to keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> we hope you are, but it doesn't really change anything. <laughs> so. We're still going to do this stuff. <laughs> You're stuck with us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Bravery. Oh, yeah. What did I mean? How did I even hear about that? I have no idea. I just, I heard about it from you through the text. Oh, okay. I remember. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I wanted also to touch on something happening the night with Tori. She kind of started a conversation about grief and we were talking about how sometimes it feels like you're not built to grieve and so people just don't do it. And as humans, we are built to grieve because it's the only sure thing that's ever going to happen in your life. Life is synonymous with death. There will be death. You will die eventually and people will grieve you and you're going to have people that die in your life and you're going to grieve them. And again, sometimes that grief is not even related to death. It can be anything. But we were talking about how brave it is to allow yourself to grieve because even though it's a natural human emotion, it's really, really tough to get there sometimes. And it's a lot easier to just pretend that you're okay and maybe have feelings of anger or feelings of bargaining or whatever, any of those stages of grief, but not necessarily grieving. And it's a scary thing to do and it's really hard and it's one of the most beautiful things you could possibly go through. And we just kind of talked about that, how it's it's brave to do. And we are so thankful as people that we have that emotion because it is all of the things that you loved about someone or all the things that you loved about a life that you might not ever get back. But grieving is reflecting on that and acknowledging how wonderful it was and that sadness that you now have and that grief that you now have is all of the stuff that you might not have again, but that you still love and value. Mm -hmm. And it's tough and it's sad, but how wonderful is that? It's so wonderful. Yeah. And I think another part of it being brave is that bravery and courage are doing things even when they're hard and scary and grieving is hard and scary, but you have to go through it. There's no way around it. Mm -hmm. You can't cut a corner, take a shortcut. Grief is just a process. There's no, it's not as much of an obstacle, a stationary thing in your life as it is a moving and growing course that you kind of have to adapt to and change with as mm -hmm. it goes through it. And so I do think it's brave when people want to dive into their grief and want to relate it to the ways they loved their lost one and relate it to the things they're going to miss because that's the hardest part. And it's brave to be able to go there. Totally. Without further ado, here's our very brave friend, Steven, who's going to talk about his experience with grief. And yeah, uh, here we go. Here we go. All right. If you want to go ahead and speak into the microphone, Steven. Hello, hello. Is that Is this... comfortable for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm cool here if you think that's going to... Nope, that looks good. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm going to do a little test right here. Blah, blah, blah. A little bit quiet, but that's all right. Blah, blah, blah. Oh. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm going to do a little test right here. Project, project. Yeah, I think that looks good. Yeah, that looks good. Okay, great. Yeah, that looks good to me. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, so we are here tonight with our first guest, Staven. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Hi, my name is Staven and I have daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, I have known Caitlin and Mel for, gosh, how long? Years. Seven, years. Six years now? Is it really? Yeah, like, like, it's probably six years now. Oh my God. Um, so, oh, <laughs> oh, so uh, we got some history. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love these two, and I've shared, I've shared bits and pieces of my story with them, um, as they have theirs with me. And uh, we're here to have just a, a little talk mm-hmm. about grief and what it looks like when you lose somebody but don't lose them Mm -hmm. so exactly yeah Steven is um, I guess that's introducing a new form of grief that we're going to cover which is grieving the loss of someone who has not died grieving the loss of someone who is still alive but is a loss for you Um, and do you want to talk a little bit about who that person is yeah sure Um, so that person for me is uh, my biological dad I will be referring him to him as Steve um, throughout this whole conversation, um, because that's just who he is to me um, in my family. Mm-hmm. So, just kind of starting it right off, <laughs> how has your relationship with your mom and brother changed since Steve has left your life? Um, that is a, a insane question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> only because I, I feel like my relationship with my brother specifically has changed a lot. Um, Thanksgiving was last week and it was just me and him this year. Uh, my mom moved away. Uh, and so it was, it was interesting to have a non-stressful, easygoing holiday. You know, we got to talk about whatever we wanted to talk about. We got to do whatever we wanted to do. And it was... It was so cool. It was so nice. And I felt like we got to connect on a much deeper level, you know, without any distraction, without any strain on our relationship. Um, And I'd say the same kind of goes with my mom. You know, I think that I think there's a lot of lingering feelings between all three of us. You know, we we spent a lot of years um, with Steve, um, you know, obviously. And um, it's created it's created a lot of strain, uh, like I mentioned, and it lingers. But uh, things have gotten a lot better, and you know we can we can reflect now. We can reflect. We can talk intelligently amongst uh, ourselves, and we can kind of talk about what we've been through. And uh, it it brings our bond closer together. And I have definitely felt that. It's not so fueled. It's a little bit clearer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like, not quite hindsight is 2020, but you know, we're, we're on our way there Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's been helpful to, you know, talk it out with the people that you've been through, you know, any specific trauma or, you know, kind of important life events with. Yeah. Especially if you all go through one thing together but it doesn't mean you go through it the same way right exactly um and that's and that's something that i do want to preface you know anything that i say uh today is just my story is my own um it is it is going to be different than 
you know, the story that my brother would tell, um, it'll be different than the story that my mom would tell. And it's just how I perceived it and what I've experienced. Um, so this is my story. Yeah. Yeah. So growing up with Steve, can you describe with as much detail as you're comfortable with how, what your relationship was, what kind of, uh, person that was to you? Yeah. Um, I think it's really complicated, especially looking back on it now. Steve was always, he was always the stressor in my life, really. Uh, he was someone that I didn't look forward to seeing. Um, he was someone that brought a lot of strain. He brought a lot of stress. He brought a lot of negative emotions, you know, sadness, anger into my life. Um, that's just what he did, you know, nothing that I ever did was right. Uh, my emotions were not valid. All of those things that as you're developing as a child are very damaging. It's, it's kind of one of those things where someone is such a master manipulator that you aren't, you aren't understanding that it's not a reflection of you. You know, none of these things are a reflection of what you're doing, who you are. They are a reflection of, you know, your aggressor. And so that's, that's been the tough thing to unpack is kind of understanding his place in my story, in my life, and what, you know, what it means to me now, you know, and what it's kind of done in my personal relationships, uh, how I live my life day to day. Uh, it's, it's, there's a lot that has to do with the negative impact that he's he's had in my life for so many years and that was just and that was up until when I was 18 I moved out at 18 to go to college uh where I met you lovely ladies um but I didn't so I didn't even get you know the amount of time with him that my brother and my mom did so that's a lot of that is where my story deviates as well mm -hmm. from theirs and how they would experience things so correct me if i'm wrong it sounds like there's two different kinds of loss in this person and it sounds like they happen at different times because there's a loss of a father a father figure and there's that actual physical loss of steve in your life right and can you expand on that a little bit and what that means to you <laughs> yeah it's something that i've always said is you can't you can't mourn something you never had. And I said that a lot, and I believed it a lot. <laughs> um, and that was just in relation to me not feeling like I could mourn the loss of a father. It, I, you know, I felt like he, you know, I think I was telling myself, you know, he never was that for me. Uh, and it's not true. Um, there were times that he was, you know, there's... I think there's three or four situations when I was a child that I vividly remember remember thinking, oh, you know, my dad is so cool. Like my dad did this for me or like I went out with my dad and we, you know, we got ice cream and he showed me the river, you know, he showed me where he grew up, you know, and that, you know, specifically that day, it, it it's like it was yesterday, right? And so it's the, it's this thing where, because everything else was so negative, I told myself those moments didn't matter and they didn't mean anything. They didn't, 
they didn't add to him being my father or whatever. It's just, yeah, like I said, it's it's not true. He he was a father to me, you know, maybe a handful of times, but he was. That's that's what's tough because then losing losing that feeling, even if it was just the next day, mm. being have, ending one day on such a high note, and then starting the next day just in pure tor- turmoil is it just scrambles your brain a little bit. You don't really know what to make of it. You, and, you, and you wish that you, were, you could go back to yesterday. You know, I want to go back to that feeling where you were nice to me, where you didn't scream at me for just feeling my own feelings. You know, something so, something so internal that it's kind of, it, it doesn't make sense. So I think that that was, that was kind of the biggest... That was the biggest thing. And it happened, you know, it happened so frequently too. You know, you, I felt that loss so frequently because we'd have some really good days and we'd have some really good ba- or really bad days. That kind of encompasses that feeling of I lost my dad and then I got him back and then I lost him again and then I lost, got him back and then I lost him again. Um, so there's a lot of back and forth. You know, I've, I've talked about it with my family uh, a bit and... You know, the reality of the situation was he wasn't around a lot. Uh, he really wasn't around a lot. But he, you know, as a kid, it felt like each situation was forever. Because, especially in my circumstance, I don't remember a lot from my ch- childhood. I'm thinking mostly as a trauma response, I'm sure. Um, but I also just don't remember a lot from my childhood. And so, all the memories that I have, you know, are a handful of memories that were good. And then the, the tens of hundreds of memories that are just like bad of me being verbally abused and, you know, manipulated and just all of those feelings made it feel like each situation lasted forever, forever. Uh, and so that's kind of, that's kind of the tough part as well. Um, but as far as you know, physically physically losing him from my life, it was a very messy situation how it all came to be. Um, we're all glad that it did. He, hasn't, he has no way to contact me, thankfully. Um, but it's, it's weird because it doesn't feel real sometimes. It doesn't feel like, like it's all said and done. You know, it doesn't feel like it's over. It feels like there's still a chance that he could come back into our lives because because it's happened before, you know, where we kind of cut him off a little bit and then he comes right back into our lives and, you know, the cycle starts anew. Um, but this time it's this time it's pretty permanent uh, and it came by way of divorce um, and uh, he was evicted from my brother's house, uh, which... Um, kind of came with a whole, a whole slew of issues, but, um, it was kind of like, it was, it was a relief for all of us. You know, we still, I, I I would say all three of us kind of still feel uneasy, but, um, but that was kind of our, that was kind of our physical loss of Steve. Um, and you know, that's what's, that's what really has solidified our relationships with each other 
And what's really kind of pulled us closer this year specifically was, was, you know, that moment where we realized, you know, okay, he's kind of, he's kind of out of our lives, you know, at least for now. And we hope he doesn't come back. Yeah. Start to heal, start to move on. Yeah. Cause you can't really, you know, you can't heal and you can't move on while you're in the middle of it. Cause it's just not how it works. <laughs> Do you think losing him physically has allowed you and your mom and your brother, or at least you, to kind of apply your energy towards grieving the loss of a father you haven't been able to grieve yet? Yeah. Um, Something that we talk about, the three of us, is going to therapy. Um, Ooh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a paid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is a paid promotion. Everywhere. Yeah, uh, therapists everywhere are listening to this podcast, and they are just they are just rolling in dough. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's something that's been instrumental in you know kicking off my grieving process. Uh, there's a lot of times I I have talked about my story, you know, in greater detail or on very surface level. I I never really attached the emotion to it, right? It was it was always so matter of fact. It was like this happened, this happened, and this happened. Okay, period, done. Going to therapy has allowed me to start unpacking these situations that happened to me as a kid uh, and understanding that even though Steve wasn't always a father, he he was sometimes, and I did lose those times that I could have potentially had with a father figure, mm-hmm. and that's and that's really hard. And I'm, I would say I'm at the, I'm definitely at the start of my grieving process. I've only started to unpack a lot of these situations and understand, you know, how they've affected me, uh, how my grief for a father figure has, has impacted my relationship with my friends um, or situations that I go through on a daily basis. And it's, it's tough. It is a very tough process and it, can be confusing and it can be incredibly difficult. Something that something that's been super important is is empathizing with myself, uh, and especially m- me as a child. It's 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 something that's really hard to do sometimes, and it's it's nothing that I ever would have thought of doing, which is which is crazy. But it's made me realize you know, how much that little boy hurt and how his hurt has affected me and my decisions now. Just giving him that space to say, hey, I need a, I need a goddamn hug. <laughs> or I just need you to acknowledge my feelings. I want you to acknowledge the fact that I feel sad. That I, that, that I am hurt, and then giving it to him, you know, and then me having the power now to give it to him and make him feel better. Full body chills. Absolutely. I just think, I mean, I just don't know if I have ever been more proud of you, and I've been proud of you for a lot of things in the past couple of years that we've known each other, a lot of things, because we've been through some stuff together and also seen really high highs together. But... All right. Taking something, it, it seems easier to be angry 
<laughs> it seems really easy to just say, this person didn't mean anything to me. I don't need to grieve them because they weren't important. It is easier. The amount of courage and the amount of gumption you have to have to look at yourself and say, you know what? No, this person did mean something and it's okay. And I am allowed to feel how I'm going to feel about it. That's something that takes a lot of bravery and I applaud you. And Thank you. I think that there are so many people that could take a page out of your book right now because I second that yeah. a thousand percent because with forgiveness comes relief and, and release. And I don't, I don't even know how you would begin to start that process of grieving and forgiveness. And the fact that you're already starting it is just absolutely incredible. I second Kate's notion that I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. It, it, is, it is incredibly tough. Uh, and that's something that I told myself a lot was I wasn't going to forgive this person. I didn't feel like he deserved it and I didn't feel like I needed it. And I'm still somewhere. I'm still somewhere on the fence with it. Uh, I've made some progress, but there's still there's still a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's okay. I'm totally cool with riding this wave and figuring out how to do it. So uh, freaking cool! <laughs> oh my gosh! So freaking. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> more that I hear you tell your story I just wonder if there's a part of you that grieves a person you were even though that person wasn't allowed so many things and didn't allow themselves so many things is there a part of this loss that causes you to grieve a part of yourself yeah I'd say so and I think that in that way it kind of comes about in a grief of you know what what could have been, who I could have been as a child, you know, the experiences I could have had, the friends I could have had, all of these things were super, they were super important to me, but I never had any of them. I think that in that way, I've always grieved the experiences I could have had as a child, because I, I didn't have the same childhood as as many of my peers, as many of my friends, you know, I never had people over. I would, I could count two times that I had friends over when I was a child. You know, that was, that was devastating to me. It it was really hard. It was really hard to think of it. And it plays into why I hold my friends so dear now is because I never had that as a kid. I had friends, of course, but I've been able to have the experience that I've wanted with my friends and foster the relationships that I've wanted, and and I get to control that. Uh, and so, and that's empowering. It's really empowering. So on one hand, yeah, I've 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 always grieved what I could have been as a kid, but if I didn't go through what I went through. And if I didn't have those experiences, you know, if I, if I didn't go without all those things that I wanted, I wouldn't be where I am now, right? I wouldn't be who I am today. I, I think I'm doing all right for myself. (laughs) I think I'm doing doing all right. Uh, You know, and so, 
you've gotta you've gotta again it it comes back to cutting yourself some slack giving yourself that empathy to say you didn't have control you couldn't have done anything else differently that's just how it was sometimes thank god that's how it worked out because you get to reflect back on it and you get to grow and uh, if you choose to put in the work you know you can really get somewhere that's on trauma (laughs) (laughs) hashtag trauma trauma. I, I really appreciate what you just said in that you know if you hadn't had all these experiences it wouldn't make you who you are today and I feel like a lot of the time people have a hard time quote-unquote feeling sorry for themselves right because it's just wallowing in your grief and this and that it's almost like society makes it Mm -hmm. seem that we're feeling sorry for ourselves when we're actually just expressing emotions yeah it's really weird that's crazy Uh, I know (laughs) sorry go ahead (laughs) (laughs) it is interesting but I know you said previously you've had some trouble empathizing with yourself right so can you walk us through maybe when you're having these feelings of just shape up, what are you doing? Stop feeling so sad. Can you walk us through maybe your process of let's take a step back. Let's have a moment with ourselves and let's appreciate where we are, where we've been. Can you walk us through feeling empathy for yourself? Yeah, I think, I think there's a few ways um, that I do it. And I shared something that with you guys, uh, I think uh, last week, that my therapist kind of walked me through, uh, and it and it's a pretty heavy exercise. I only I only do it when I'm I'm in a session. Otherwise, otherwise I kind of keep it on the wayside, and you know we'll revisit it uh, next session. But it's it's an exercise where you where you close your eyes and and you envision yourself as a child. You envision yourself as a child and. And you ask yourself, okay, what do you need? What's going on? How can I help you? And you wait for a response and you feel what that child needs. And you give it to them. And you give that child what they need. Uh, And that that is it's a very tough exercise a uh, few things have made me cry as hard as those exercises have but ultimately it's it's a very healing place to be in um and so that's something you know specifically when we're working through you know what i've been through is is a very important exercise uh to me in order to understand myself and get get past this mm-hmm. and work through it. So so that's that's a pretty good exercise. Uh, but like I said, it's on the heavier side, and it helps to it helps to have my therapist walk me through it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, a, a lot of the time lately, since since a lot of this has been at the forefront of my mind, and everything is still relatively fresh. You know, a lot of a, th- a lot of really important events surrounding Steve uh, and his him leaving our lives happened this year. I, I do a lot of reflecting of, you know, where where I was six months ago. 
where we as a family were six months ago. Uh, and I think of what we were dealing with on the daily. And then I think about what's changed now? You know, where am I now? I got a brand new apartment. I, I am just like, I'm getting my health back on track. I, I, am, I have much stronger relationships with my friends. You know, it's, and it could even be something so little as like, I went for a walk today. You know, it doesn't have to be something crazy like um, I meal prepped for the entire week, you know, like that takes a lot of effort. So even just giving myself those things where I'm feeling down, I'm feeling, you know, I'm grieving uh, it, I'm having a really hard day and I, and I do have those days. I think we all have those days where we're like, God, I wish that never happened to me. Um, you know, even just getting out of bed when I when I don't want to, I've been I've been really deliberate in reminding myself, "Hey, that's pretty cool. I'm really happy that you did that. I'm really happy that you got out of bed. I'm really happy that you went for a walk in the park when you weren't gonna leave the apartment today. And it could have been a five minute walk. It doesn't matter. Just trying to." do these things for myself that make me feel like I'm being kind to me, make me feel a lot better. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Um, And sometimes, you know, like I said, even those, even those little things, they're hard to accomplish. Uh, And I, and I would say that a lot of us have been there, but sometimes all it takes is you just mindlessly put putting on your shoes you know you don't wait for the motivation to come to you you don't wait for somebody to tell you that you should do this or should do that you just start getting ready and sooner than later you realize that you're already out the door and you're on a walk right so you know and then you feel good because you can celebrate a little bit i think that's so important i think review in general is such a powerful tool in overcoming many hardships and grief especially because being right. able to provide yourself with that empathy of do you remember how hard this was six months ago a year ago however long it was and you're doing it effortlessly now right it could be brushing your teeth like you said the yep. smallest things like you woke up you didn't want to kill yourself today yeah you went on a walk that's a huge improvement from however long ago. Yeah. I think that's so powerful, so important. I'm so glad you brought it up. I'm so glad it works for you. Because it truly is a powerful tool, being able to assess where you've been and where you've come. And also where you can go. Oh, Mm -hmm. yes. I think that's huge too. Because like we've said a hundred times, grief is not linear. And you could be taking a a step forward every single day and then one day you wake up and you're 50 steps back. Mm -hmm. And that sucks. It's terrible to wake up like that. But it's important to know that you will be in that good place again, just like you might be in that bad place again. It might yep. not be as bad. It might not be as good. But you're still going to be moving. You might not be moving forward, but you're going to be moving as loud as you allow yourself to move. And right. that is what you're doing right now. You are allowing yourself to move. And it's so important and so hard. Yeah. But you're doing it. Yeah. And, and another, you know, the biggest thing is realizing you're not alone. Um, We went to a leadership conference uh, a few years ago 
um, in Tacoma, Washington. And I found some letters while I was moving into my new apartment. I found some letters from some of the people that we went with. And um, they kind of, you know, hit on that point of, hey, you know, I heard your story. And it really, it I really connected to it. You know, I felt those feelings before. I've, I've been in that space before. And it really impacted me to hear that I wasn't alone. And so just reading that was, it was really, really powerful to me because it made me realize that not only does my story matter, but I'm also not the only one who's going through these things who is who is having these hard times and and I do have support even from people that I don't even know and it's just I have to remind myself often uh of course but but it helps to know that I'm not going through it alone even if I'm not you know actively talking it out with somebody else you know I know that I know that there are other people who who are having the same struggles and it sucks. I'm sorry that I'm sorry that they are, uh, but I'm also sorry that I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it, it I think it helps me to acknowledge that. That's amazing. Isn't it so interesting that grief is such a difficult thing to talk about for people? Mm-hmm. And yet every single time someone has a conversation about a hardship they've been through, you leave feeling less alone. Yeah. It's just so interesting because we've been in, this, in many situations in multiple aspects of our lives where you, you could be at a conference or you could be at a party. And so you, it's just like random conversations that you have. Yeah. And the second you bring it up and like just let it be ugly and let its ugly face show. Yeah. You usually leave with a feeling of comfort, which is so mm-hmm. weird. It's such a counterintuitive mm-hmm. thing, but I cannot tell you how many... You, like uh, things I've been to of like we need to unite this group of people so we're gonna talk about hard things we've been through. That's just like the go-to. It is. The yeah. Go-to. Isn't that funny? It is it, the go-to. Fortifies you. It, yeah. I feel like that's what it does. When you don't feel alone, you feel more empowered to talk, or feel mm-hmm. more empowered to feel. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that spot of feeling alone, it's way harder to feel empowered to do those things yeah. it right. just makes everyone around you feel more human feel more approachable feel exactly more... <laughs> well-rounded is a weird word to say but <laughs> <laughs> no but you get you get a better idea of who that person is you get uh you get a deeper understanding of where they're coming from when you're talking to them you know understanding each other's experiences is is super important you know and that's what strengthened our bond for sure Absolutely. um especially you guys, you know, going through super, super similar situations, almost on the same timeline, (laughs) which is insane, right? So, (laughs) you know, you, you get that, that bond, that sense of community out of each other, just by simply understanding where each other is coming from. And you're never going to get there unless you talk about it. Right. And, and you don't have to, and especially not if you're not ready. Um, but, but it can be very empowering. Yeah. Yeah. And if 
if you're not ready, you can turn on a podcast like this. <laughs> you can read a book. You can follow an Instagram page, follow a TikTok page. Yeah. Anything that you can relate to that might make you feel less alone, I feel like is always going to be a benefit, even if it hurts at first. Right. Absolutely. And it's just kind of like what you said, all of these experiences make us who we are, right. whether we like it or not. But everything that we've gone through, trauma and joy and levity and challenges, all of it makes us who we are today. Right. So can you describe to us who you see yourself as right now in this moment? It changes. Uh, It changes pretty frequently and it has for the last few months. You know, my my self-image has... I'm a completely different person than I was seven months ago. And I can say that incredibly confidently. Um, and a lot of this, a lot of it comes from hindsight, of course, and reflecting and uh, processing and unpacking a lot of the stuff that we went through. Um, and, I, and, and what I specifically have gone through just in this year and, you know, years past. But I... I'm a lot stronger now. I, I'm definitely a lot stronger and I feel it. You know, I'm a, I'm a lot more confident in my emotions. I'm a lot more confident in just how I handle situations day to day. I notice it in my personal relationships. I notice it when I meet new people. I notice it at work. I feel like I'm becoming a lot more emotionally well-rounded because I am, because I am facing these things and I am... I am attaching grief to you you know my specific situation of losing my father figure because that's something that I never did and I never saw it as grief but I I I do grieve it I do and I think that that has that has been a huge step for me in finally attaching all these emotions that float around in my head to the situations that they belong to. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so freaking well spoken. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's been incredibly it's been incredibly instrumental in in my growth this year. You know, on top of my personal achievements as well. Um, but I think that. You know, I'll always bring it back to, you know, starting therapy and, you know, having somebody guide me through through this. Uh, because I feel a lot of the times, you know, especially I can speak for myself that I, I was ready to put it behind me, whether or not I was ever going to unpack it, whether or not I was ever going to think about anything that happened to me. Um, I was just going to put it behind me and hope for the best. <laughs> And I was just super prepared to never think about it again. <laughs> uh, and I think that would have been a huge mistake. I think it would have been a huge mistake because I, I don't think that I would have the confidence that I have now in my emotions and the way I handle things, you know, even just understanding my relationship with my friends and my family, you know, and being like, okay, yeah, I feel this way because 
as a child, I was neglected a lot and there was a lot of broken promises. And so when something doesn't go my way now, when I feel like I have control over it, I'm taken back there. And I never realized why it hurt me so much before. And now I do. And I can tell myself that. I can say, this is why you're feeling this way. It's going to be okay. And the people that you put in your life, you put in your life for a reason. They're good people. It's all going to work out. That is a powerful exercise. Because it's definitely, I think it's easier to just say, well, I'm mad because they did something. Right. But then to reflect on how you're, trauma, your grief, what you're going through, what you have been through Mm -hmm. affects your day-to-day in the now. Right. It's very interesting. And I think you touched on a great point about how I'm going to like phrase what you said in a very short sentence. So tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like talking about your trauma, talking about your grief while in the moment is may make you feel like you're in a cage is actually very freeing. Because you no longer have ownership over your trauma or over your grief, or it doesn't have ownership on you as much as you have ownership in what you do next. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great way to phrase it. And just having that understanding that, okay, yeah, I have control over how I feel about this because I understand why I'm feeling this way. Um, has been... <laughs> <I know. laughs> It, it's helped me. It's helped me a lot um, with with a lot of what I've dealt with this year. Um, and I I don't want to think about where my mind would be, where my mental state would be without, you know, recognizing those feelings. Mm-hmm. So a few months ago, we, the Sad Girls cult, we're in a cult. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, you're joining a cult by listening to this. Yeah, sad girl spelled G-U-R-L-Z, cult with a K, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously. um, Us three, along with our friend Cassidy, we have all just had stuff in our lives that we like to talk about together, and it's kind of a lovely little situation because we can talk about really heavy things and laugh about it and be totally fine at the end of it. But we took a trip to Breckenridge about seven or eight months ago. And I do recall oh, yeah. this conversation where we were talking about therapy and we were talking about kind of just getting past some stuff. And you had said that you didn't think you needed to go and you didn't really want to talk about it. Can you tell us what the turning point was for you? Was there a moment or what? when did you decide... I'm going to take charge. <laughs> I think that I think that once I started taking charge of my own life mm. is is when I realized that's what I needed to do, you know. I was I was in a relationship 7 months ago that was was unhealthy and I I lost control of my life. I didn't I didn't do any of the things that I loved doing. I wasn't I had strained relationships with a lot of my friends. I didn't see a lot of my friends. Um, you know, COVID never helped, of course, but when st- things started opening up, I, 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 I didn't feel like myself. And, you know, it's been for the last 
it was at that point for the last two and a half years where I just, I didn't feel like I had control over my own life. And so I woke up one day and it started with me going to the gym and everything else started to fall into place once I told myself that I was going to stop feeling sorry for myself. I was going to stop looking in the mirror and saying, ugh, right? I was just going to do something about it. Uh, And so I realized that I could, if I could do that with my body and my physical health, I could do that with my mental health. I could just say, I'm going to deal with this. I'm just going to do it. And, and I realized that, oh, shit, I have been through a lot. I, I have yeah. been through a lot. What? Yeah, I know. It couldn't have been me. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know her. Um, I... Uh, yeah, it was just kind of one of those things where it kind of all started to fall into place once I decided that I was going to take charge and I was going to do it. Um, you know, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of very straining situations. You know, between uh, my ex and I when we broke up, and I had to live with him for about six months. Um, and then my my mom going through her divorce uh, and all the complications that came along with it. Uh, Steve living with my brother for a little while during the divorce procedure, uh, and then him kind of lingering around after. Uh, and it all it was a lot, and it was kind of like, okay, I'm a little too close to everything that's going on. And anybody that I can talk to about the things that are happening to me, I'm not getting, I'm not getting an objective perspective, you know, I'm not getting, you know, I'm, I'm getting what I want to hear, which is nice, right? We all, yeah, exactly. And, and we all want to hear what we want to (laughs) hear, but, um, it wasn't, it wasn't as productive as I needed it to be in order to unpack a lot of the things that was that were happening in my life mm-hmm. so I um <laughs> I I decided on a Sunday that I was going to start therapy and I had an appointment Tuesday morning wow that yeah. is incredible Initiative, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. That is impressive. I, I'm tired. This exists. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of my a lot of my decisions to better myself have actually come from that mentality of I can actually can just do it right now, so yeah. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't know where that comes from. I think it's because my mom is so driven and passionate and just good at everything that she does. Um, and oh, so. Oh, are you saying that you're also I, yeah I'm also saying <laughs> I, I was trying to say that I didn't want to sound vain yeah I didn't my best skill is being humble yeah, yeah um I'm familiar with the term humble um <laughs> he knows what it means uh, <laughs> barely um 
<laughs> and so realizing that I have the strength and I have the power to make those changes and do them is empowering in and of itself. Hell yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I brag to myself a lot Good. because I'm like, damn, you did that. Right. Yes. Um, and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to to know that I took charge and I did it. Because mm-hmm. it starts there. You can't start. You can't start doing the work. Yeah. Um, nobody's. I mean, people could tell you, you know, hey, yeah, you should you should start doing this or you should start doing that, you know. And that's that's all well and dandy, and it's it's nice to know that there are people in your corner motivating you. Um, but you know, when I was going through all of this, you know, I only had a few people, you know, saying, "Hey, good job," or "Hey, you know, that's great." Um, and and it did feel good still, but it had to it had to come from me. It had to come from me. Otherwise, I genuinely don't think I ever would have taking charge of my life again yeah people don't change for other people or other circumstances yeah people change because they want to change yeah the the day. and i think that it also a lot of your change comes from being willing to do the work in therapy because you can go to therapy all you want but if you don't do the work yeah even outside of therapy it ain't gonna do anything for you absolutely therapy is not a magic wand no, it is a so, not a magic fix all that you just sit there and you listen to somebody talk to you for an hour and then your problems go away. Not at all. Works. You got to do the work and it's uncomfortable and it is ugly. Yeah. And we've talked about that a lot too of how we know that there's stuff under the surface mm-hmm. that we don't want to address yep. because we know it's ugly. And I think people are sometimes afraid of going to therapy because they do know that it's going to bring stuff up. Right. But you you can't you can't have a brighter inside if you don't sift no. through that stuff. It's just yeah. impossible to not. It's like walking around with weights attached to your neck. Absolutely. It's keeping yep. you held down. And the best way to get it out is with a trained professional who <laughs> doesn't give a fuck about your life. Just wants to help you. <laughs> just wants to make that money. No. <laughs> Oh my god! I love my therapist, but um, they don't know you. They don't know you personally. They get to know you, sure, but only if you let them. Yeah. You have that objective point of view. It's literally their job to listen to you. You're not burdening anyone. You're not Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. making someone else feel uncomfortable. It's literally their job to listen to whatever you have to tell them, and I feel like that helps a ton too. So you're not like, is this too much on my boyfriend, on my best friend, on this? stranger I yeah. just met in King Supers. Maybe. Maybe it is, and that's okay because yeah. it's not their job. Yeah. But it is literally the therapist's job, the counselor's job to take the information you have, sort it out, but help you file it back in your brain. It's awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. And also if you're lying to your therapist, you're, you're lying, lying to, to yourself. yourself. <laughs> you are lying to yourself, baby. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Okay, here's a blatant question for you. All right. Is it difficult to grieve Steve while he's alive? Uh, yeah, I think I think it's been a crazy it's been a crazy experience overall. 
You know, I think that from my very earliest memories up until my most recent memories, um, it's it's very conflicting. Uh, and in in the form of grief, it's it's tough to do so while he's still alive. Because I think that that feeling that I had when I was a little kid of, oh, you know, my dad took me out today. You know, my dad got me an iPod or whatever, right? It has always led to a potential for those situations to come back. There's something good in there. Um, and to maybe to maybe get those good feelings back. Um, and so I think that that's what was what was really difficult for a while, um, even through college, because my relationship with Steve was actually pretty good in college, to the point where we would chat on the phone sometimes, like we would call each other. It was just because I wasn't here, I wasn't in the thick of it, I wasn't experiencing the day to day, and so those feelings did come back of. I can have a normal conversation. I can be human with you and it feels good because biologically you're my dad and you know it kind of means that I have a quote unquote complete family, you know, a, a traditional family. Uh and so when you get those moments, when you get those feelings, it's hard to not latch on to them and it's hard to not want them and so in doing so has created a lot of grief for those moments where things could have been so good and I could have had an actual dad Um, and so he's still alive and it's it's not something that I want for him to come back into our lives um but I think it's a little bit of that, you know, mental back and forth of, well, he's he's still here. He has some good days. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's very conflicting. But, you know, I think recognizing that there's more bad than good that could come out of, you know, any sort of situation that I could find myself in with someone like that is it helps kind of subside a bit of that, of those feelings. Um, but I think overall it, you know, it, it, it doesn't make it easier. And I've had these conversations with my mom where she, she wishes that my brother and I could have had a father figure. Uh, she wishes that we could have had that relationship because if we had had that relationship, I would have had my grandparents as well. I would have had my uncle. I would have had my cousins. Uh, I would have had all these relationships as well. But I, I never, I never got to have those relationships with, with them because Steve was my barrier. Um, and so, of course, you know, I, I lost a lot of time. I lost a lot of time with my family. Uh, and and now, you know, his dad has passed and his mom passed this year. That time's gone. I don't get to even try anymore. I don't get to try to have those relationships with them because 
they're not around. So I grieve those relationships as well because I could have had that. Absolutely. Um, and so it's tough. It's yeah. it's incredibly difficult, and I go back and forth on it a lot. But I think ultimately, you know, I'm coming into a place where I, I'm recognizing that things are things are better the the way that they are, right? And as I get older, you know, I gain a lot of perspective on a lot of the things that transpired when I was a kid, stuff that I never would have understood. Uh, a lot of the things that transpire even up to earlier this year that, you know, I'm still understanding and learning about um, that all play into what happened to me as a kid. It's It's been it's been a very long and arduous process just trying to figure it out. And, and and find my place in my grief and trying to trying not to tell myself I should feel a certain way. Trying to roll with the punches a little bit. Yeah. And and really get a good understanding of it. It makes sense. Absolutely. And I want to touch on a couple things that you just said. Yeah. Earlier tonight you mentioned that for a while you felt like you couldn't grieve something that you didn't have. Right. But I will say, you knew what it was like to have a dad, whether or not Steve was there. Right. Because you're surrounded by people all the time who have dads. Right, exactly. So even if you never, even if Steve never even had those short moments with you, you know what it's like to have a dad and you're allowed to grieve that. And I want to validate that for you. Thank you. And you don't have to use those short experiences as ammo of why you get to feel that way. You get to feel that way because you're a human being and it's the human condition to want their parents. Right. And that's just how it is. And also, additionally, maybe this is for your therapist to decide, but I do feel like there's manipulation there with the Mm -hmm. good moments and then immediately bad. And I just wonder how that has affected that part of you that grieves those moments. Yeah. um, And that's something that that I've thought of a lot recently is just the ability to you know kind of get what you want out of somebody you know I think that we're all kind of capable of it but only there's only a certain number of people that actually are like well you know I know I'm gonna get this out of them if I do this right like Mm -hmm. it's it's tough in that regard too to think about it because it's like maybe he wanted a family Maybe he really wanted kids, but didn't know how to, didn't know how to feel, didn't know how to do it, didn't realize how much work it was going to be, or maybe didn't realize that there was going to be so much pushback because we're little humans too. Um, And so just kind of understanding that, you know, he, he understood that you know, he could, he could give us these things, you know, or have these like experiences with us, um, just to get that for himself, Mm. you know, to feel like, oh, I have a son and my son likes doing this with me. And I'm a, I'm a cool dad today, even if he turned around the next day and said a bunch of nasty things to me. Right. Um, that were horribly invalidating. It's, it's that, 
um, emotional manipulation and 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 back and forth that really makes it tough to even think about the good moments because while they were good in and of themselves, were they real? I don't know. It's so hard, and it's another level of grief. Right. Grieving the only good moments you have with that person has got to be intense. Yeah. It's, it is, it's incredibly intense, and it is incredibly difficult because I wanted those to be real, and I wanted them to be authentic, but... I, I will never know if they were. So I think sometimes it helps to just take them as they were um, and and focus on what I can grow through and what I can change moving forward, um, which I think helps me a bit working through those. Yeah. I also just want to acknowledge uh, how your grief does differ from someone who lost someone to death Mm -hmm. because Mel and my grief does not have possibility. It does not have hope. We are not grieving what could have been because it can't be right. It's done. And we can be sad in those moments in the future of gosh, darn it. I wish my mom was here. I wish she was here for this moment. And I just want to acknowledge that your future and well just your current state right now is difficult because that person is still here there's There's a possibility even though there's not a possibility is it is a really weird place to be in and you know i think that there's still people that i know that you know they have they have tough relationships like the one that i had but you know, they're still in contact with or are still trying to battle with those emotions of the same kind of situation that I'm in where, you know, we had some really good times and I miss them and I and I wish that I wish that those were possible again. And you know, I wanna I wanna acknowledge that, you know, there are people that are working through it actively right now and maybe they don't know that they're in that space or maybe they they do and they don't know how to feel. Um, and that's okay because there was a lot of times while I was in it that I didn't know how to feel and I, and I didn't know that I was in that space. I didn't know that I was being manipulated. I didn't know that it was as bad as it was. When you're deep in it, how could you? Yeah. And, how could you know? Yeah, it, and, it's, and it's never going to be a reflection of you. It's never going to be something that you can change in that other person. Mm-hmm. So, and it's important to, I'm always going to bring it back to giving yourself empathy. It's important to do so for yourself uh, and remind yourself that you're doing the best that you can. Yes. When I, correct me if I'm wrong, both of you, but I think a huge difference is for Kate and I, when we say we want a hug from our moms, we miss a hug from our moms, it's because we've experienced pure, unconditional love in that hug from our moms. Yeah. And I just wonder if for you, it's, I want a hug I never got. And yeah. I never can get because that's not the person who I can receive that kind of love from. And that's, 
I can only imagine that that could be a complicated layer of grief. Yeah, it's, it is, it is really complicated and it's something that I, I don't think of a lot. Um, but something that I am unpacking when I go to that place where me as a kid, I'm saying, Hey, I want a hug, please. And I get to give that to myself because I never got it. Maybe I got a hug, right? Like, but there's a hug and then there's a hug, you know? (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's, it is weird to, to feel that because it, it was there, but it wasn't there. Um, And, and part of me, I think will always want it to be there. But understanding that it doesn't have to be is important as well. You know, I, I am still complete. I am still whole. And I am in control. I can give it to myself. And I can surround myself with people who are able to give it to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it helps me come to, come to terms with, with something that, you know, I will never get. Right. Hold the power. Yeah. And God damn it, are you powerful? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is right. <laughs> Holy God. I did didn't happen overnight, baby. It did not happen overnight and it's and it's a continuous process. Like I said, I'm I'm at the start of my I'm at the start of my grieving process really, um, in the grand scheme of things. But I think what I really have going for me is I'm ready. You know, I'm I'm so ready to dive in. Yes. And get it done. Hell yes, Stephen. I'm so glad those words were recorded. Just on a side note, because this is gonna be I just am really glad that you said that because it's hard to feel those feelings and this is gonna be a great reminder. And what's yeah. really cool is if it gets really hard, Staves. You get to play yourself saying those <laughs> things back to yourself. Yeah. Which is really powerful. Yeah. Because you're in a place of power right now and, and comfort and safety and to be able to tell yourself those things when you're not in that place. Yeah. And I do feel like there's some really good affirmations that you've brought up that you can use, people can use, I can use. One for me that I relate to on a big level is I am in control. Yeah. Because I'm a motherfucking control freak. And I know <laughs> it. And I know it from my therapists. I know it from my dad. I know it from my sister, my dad, my boyfriend, everyone. I'm a control freak. I know it. And so anything that I want to have control over every situation. And grief is not one of those things that you have control over. But you yeah. have control over so many other things that to remind yourself you are in control of your mm-hmm. your response. Your your reaction to things that happen to you, you're in control of that, and that's mm-hmm. empowering. There's comfort in control. You There's know, comfort it, in control. It, it alleviates a lot of the unexpected, yes. you know, especially when it comes to our emotions. You know, we don't like the unexpected. And, you know, when you wake up and you feel sad and you're like, well, why the hell am I feeling sad? You know, you lose that. You lose a bit of that control. Mm-hmm. And it's... You know, it can be frightening. It can be frustrating. Um, it can be anywhere in between. In in some t- sometimes it's it's better to 
let yourself, you know, loosen the reins a little bit and, and feel it and say, okay, we're feeling this right now. And even we're, that you're in control of. Yeah, exactly. Because you allow yourself to do that. Yeah, you, And I think it's yeah. important to remind yourself that even when you feel like you're letting off the reins, you're the one who made that decision to let yeah. the reins off. Yeah. Nobody is going to force you into it. You're yeah. only mm-hmm. going to do it when you're ready. Yeah. I'm just going to remove this tiny little brick from my wall. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing it. I'm the one doing it. By I'm the, the way. I'm doing it. Yeah. By Nobody the way. Nobody is chipping away at this except for me, bitches. Yeah. Okay? So back off. <laughs> yes. And I think another one is I am powerful. Yeah. I think that's a really important affirmation to tell yourself. And I affirmations in my head are always silly. Saying this plan, and it's kind of silly, but they help. They just they do. do. They really do. They do help. They, they totally just do. do. I have an affirmation written on my mirror. Yeah. Great. And I look at it every single day. And I did that almost a year ago in therapy, obviously. <laughs> my therapist said, okay, write me affirmation. And it was group therapy. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was going to have to read it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I, like, I love it. I oh, my I God. I love that yeah. my affirmation is i'm crushing it and yeah i got the words crushing it tattooed on my yes <laughs> hell yeah you did so, yes affirmations well are important, guys. you know they i are. i it helps to be your own cheerleader especially when you feel like yes especially when you feel like you don't have a cheerleader, a cheerleader in your life i know like i have you guys you know i know i have i have a support system but some days, it doesn't feel like it. And it doesn't you know? matter. And it, and it just feels lonely. It just, against all logic and feeling, you're like, God, I'm so alone. I literally have nobody in my life. If we were logical, yeah. we'd be a voice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, mind of its own. Amen. <laughs> Uh, like, fuck your logic. Right, I know, seriously. <laughs> I am in control too. Your friends no. hate you. Yeah, period. Your dog hates you. <laughs> the candles you have in your apartment, they, they hate, hate you. you. <laughs> yeah, your plants are dying tomorrow. Um, <laughs> because they hate you. Yeah. <laughs> so it helps. It helps to be your own cheerleader. Because um, that's what's gotten me through a lot of tough days recently. And I can honestly say I'm in the best headspace that I've ever been in my life, despite all the things that have happened this year. Um, but I, I owe it a lot to the work that I have put in and, and the affirmations that I've given myself. Okay, and I wrote just speechless. Excuse us, please. Well, and you know what you do, Stephen? This is another thing you're talking about in therapy a lot. Shocker. Um, my affirmation in therapy used to be, we used to end the session by letting myself know I am capable. Yeah. Um, and now my affirmation is I allow myself to be capable. And you are allowing yourself to be capable. You are make, you're holding space for yourself. You are making room for your emotions, for your grief, for your time with your therapist, for your time at the gym, for your time in the kitchen, mm-hmm. for your time at the club. You're finally allowing yourself to divulge into these dark parts of you that allow you to live the fullest parts of you. Right. You are allowing yourself to be capable, and it's incredible. It feels good. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. I hope you're proud of yourself. I am. That's awesome. I am. That's awesome. 
like you said, it if you're your own cheerleader, that's what's most important. Yep. Because even if you have 12 cheerleaders, the only voice you're going to hear is your own. Yeah. Yep. Something a little bit, like, not morbid, but just kind of like, <laughs> okay, that's kind of a lot to say. One of my favorite oh, things God. to say to myself is, at the end of the day, all you got is you. Yeah. At the end of the day, all you got is you. Yep. So you might as well like yourself. Yeah. You might uh, as well be there for you. Yeah. You might as fucking well. Seriously. <laughs> that's well, so true. Who else is going to do it? No one. Probably a lot you, of people, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, and you, you don't. You know, there in the reality, you know, there there are likely to be a lot of people in your life that are gonna rally behind you, that are gonna be there for you, but you know, you can't always count on that. And and you can't always expect people to have the space for you all the time. And that's okay. And and that's totally fine, you know. We all we are all going through some shit, you know, with the pandemic and our personal lives, um, having to work nine to fives, uh, you know, like breakups. Yeah, breakups. Uh, you name it. Um, we're all going through some shit, and so, you know, I think that something that has helped me a lot this year is is coming back into being comfortable with myself and and enjoying my own company. And that has that has just helped immensely in feeling, you know, okay, I can get through this, even if everybody else is busy or emotionally unavailable. That's fine. That's fine because sometimes I'm emotionally unavailable for people, um, just because of what I'm going through. But I I know that you know I can handle it. I can get through it. I've got me. Cheers to that. Oh my gosh, you're beautiful. <laughs> well, I think that was gorgeous. Um, is there anything else? No, oh, I'm just so honored that you came on our podcast. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I thank you for having me. Um, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to talk about these things. You know, a lot of it is still fresh. Um, and a lot of it, like I said, I'm still working through and, you know, we just touched the tip of the iceberg, but um, I think that what's important is just kind of understanding each other. Mm-hmm. It's understanding each other and what we're going through, and we all have our own forms of grief, and it helps to get it out and connect yeah. with each other and, and, and talk it out and just share the love, honestly. Yes. And... That is why I'm so grateful you're here because it's, I think a lot of people compare grief. Right. And it's usually people on the outside because someone who's grieving knows that there's no comparison. No, it doesn't help anybody to, to compare your hardships, you know, because you can't, we all have different stories and, you know, I would, I would never compare my story, what I've been through my grief with my brothers or with my moms. And we were in it together, so to mm-hmm. speak, you know, so even being so close, it's not fair to make those comparisons and or speak for somebody else. So mm-hmm. I think allowing each other to have the space and, you know, especially you guys, you know, one being so brave enough to start this podcast and talk about these 
incredibly diff- difficult situations that you've been through, talking about your grief, and then giving others like me the space to talk about my different kind of grief. Um, it's it's really, really cool. And I think that a lot of people can benefit from taking a page out of your guys' book, honestly. That got you, babe. A thousand really percent really that got you. You inspire me daily. And I'm so glad that we were able to have these conversations because I learned so much tonight. Like, I'm going to listen back to this episode for nuggets that you've <laughs> given me. and Talk about quotable quotes. For <laughs> real. Holy cow. I just, you never know what you could learn by opening this door. You never know what other people could learn from you. And yeah. I just think that's really inspiring that you have opened this door. And I'm so glad for me because <laughs> I learned, but I'm also, I'm so glad for you. And it just, I can't wait to see where you go from here. A hundred percent. I'm so proud of who you are. I was proud of who you were six months ago. <laughs> I'm so proud of who you are now. And I'm so Thank excited you. to see where you go from here. I'm so excited we get to be a part of it. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm happy you guys That's are here. I will say, I will say, um, I, I've, I've met people who have had a similar situation to my own. Um, I've talked about it with them. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure there are people who have maybe gone through 10% of what I've been through or have gone through 500% of what I've been through. If anybody wanted to reach out mm-hmm. to you or you or me, absolutely welcome you know share is you know share your story if you'd want share your feelings about you know what we talked about tonight um maybe maybe your tips on how you deal with grief when you lose someone but don't lose them to death you know i Mm -hmm. think that sharing those can be can be very empowering as well just to talk it out so at the end of the day this is a freaking community yeah you know we're happy <laughs> sorry i just like these are freaking nuts um this is <laughs> blame daniel maggard for this okay um yeah we're a community so as much as we want to share we want you to share too and we want everyone to feel heard but we also want people to feel valuable. Right. There's value in your grief and there's value in your experience with grief. And out of the responses we've gotten so far, I mean, we've been so touched and honored and we've learned so much. Yeah. So absolutely, Stephen. I second that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Stop. Hey, woman to that, baby. Hey, woman. All right. So you just heard from our friend, Steven. Um, I think we can all agree that he's wonderful and so wise and so good with words. My Lord, after we talked about that, Mel and I, it was so funny. We, the amount of, oh, and oh, oh, that was so good. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was a lot. It was. 
It was a lot. It was so much. Talk about a peanut gallery. <laughs> really? Yeah. So sorry about that, Stephen, for inflating your ego. But, um, he didn't need it, but he loves it anyway. <laughs> but we were so honored to have that conversation with him. And we hope that people learned from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're super excited about that conversation. So um, this week... We have a tool for you, per usual, and our friend Milani Domino is going to walk us through it. So take it away. Yes. So I think that you'll notice that Steven has become so good at self-soothing and noticing when his grief is coming up and addressing it as it comes up. Uh, So something I want to talk about today are some tips and tricks for self-soothing in the moment when you have been brave enough to dive into your grief. Because oftentimes, diving into your grief can lead to subsequent depression spells, anxiety attacks, uncomfortableness in general. So some ways that I like to address these are by coping ahead, obviously, like I talk about all the time, but also in the moment being able to ground myself. Because I do think that grief takes us either to the past of the things we're missing or to the future, the things that they'll miss out on. Um, and so I find it very helpful if you can use a grounding exercise, like Kate briefly mentioned the five senses grounding tool. Mm-hmm. And the way that looks is it's especially useful for panic attacks and anxiety attacks. Um, but I would say it's also equally as useful for let's call it a grief attack when you're in the midst of it. I feel like grief attacks are similar to what a, a panic attack looks like because you're no longer in on earth. Your mind goes somewhere else. For example, when I miss my mom's hug, I am not in the present sitting where I am. I'm with my mom getting a hug on the first day of high school. And I remember every smell. I remember every sound. I remember the way it felt. And it's so hard to re-experience that knowing that it's not going to happen again, that I get lost in my emotions, in my feelings, as they were in the past. And so the five senses are literally exactly what it sounds like. You use your five senses to ground you in the moment. So you're not losing the memory, but you're making yourself present to where you are now so you're able to cope a little bit better. So the first thing you start out with is sight. What are five things that you can see? And so you count. Like, I can see a book over there. I can see that wall is white, blah, 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 on and on for five different things or three or however many you need to do. And then you move into one of the other senses and you just follow down all the way through all the senses, including touch, five things you can feel around you. And at least for me, it's extremely helpful in centering yourself in the moment so that you can redirect your thoughts to something productive. And that doesn't necessarily mean shut off the memory, go for a run. It could mean, okay, I just had this memory. Something productive I can do with this memory is write down how it made me feel close my notebook and put it away. Or something that I can do with this is verbally say, that made me feel like shit. I'll revisit that later or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think that is definitely a tried and true self-soothing technique that I have used many, many times, both for panic attacks and also for, I call them depression attacks where my grief is all of a sudden all over me and I can't move my arms or speak sometimes because it just is completely all consuming. So I have done that before. And another thing that I like to do, because I think about my grief a lot, uh, I relate it to movement. And for a long time there, it was just stagnant within my body. And that's when things were kind of shutting down. 
because it just wasn't going anywhere. And so my little tool that I like to use is just gently moving my body and it can be doing anything. But the two things that are very helpful for me specifically when I'm in that moment of just like, like a self-soothing, just like, you can't really deal with this right now. You've got to keep going, but here's this little thing that you can do to make yourself push past the feeling a little bit, move it out of your body a little bit. And I sit on a chair and I pretend that my palms, I pretend I'm a rocket. <laughs> I love this already. <laughs> and I pretend that my palms are where the rocket takes off. And so, you know, like when you see, and then it's like the flames shooting out of the bottom of the rocket. Like mm-hmm. I pretend that that's what I am. And so I sit in a chair and I put my palms flat facing the ground and mm-hmm. I shove the energy out of my palms. Oh. I sit there and I shove it out of my palms and I'm like doing this right now and so that's why my voice sounds really weird but I'm like I literally sit there and I just like shove 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 and it just it does move stuff within me and it is like physical and visceral and it really helps to just get it out so I can then move on with my day and I can address that later so yeah I literally pretend I'm a rocket sit in a chair and just shove Another thing, if that's not quite it for you, is I will go against a wall and I will stand like with my palms flat against the wall and I pretend I'm trying to push the wall away. Ooh. So, and you can, I like grunt when I do this. I, I literally push as hard as I can. Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I push the wall away from me oh. and it helps so much to just get that energy out get your grief moving again, get your body moving without actually going on a run or going for a swim or like moving too much, but you're still moving it within you and moving it out of you. Yes. So those are my two tips if you need something a little bit more physical. Um, But also that's kind of how sometimes Mel and my grief differs a little bit is Mm -hmm. I shut down, whereas Mel... Explodes. Explodes. (laughs) So it's calming versus... Like restarting your heart. Yeah, exactly. So two different ways um, that our grief affects us. Two different, you know, tools that you can use. Yes. And to go along with Kate's movement theory, which there's a lot of evidence based on getting, working through your grief through movement. There's like a lot of evidence that supports what Kate just said. So I do want to add that grief and trauma are usually held in your shoulders and your hips. So if you're grieving someone and you maybe feel some tension in your shoulders or your hips, <laughs> it could be because of your grief, baby. Because are emotions, ma- I'm so serious. I've read so many articles about this. My chiropractor told me this. You're like joking my ass. I am not joking your ass because you literally said in your sweat and stretch that you mostly is, stretch your shoulders and your hips. That is literally where my and tension is. I look it up. Look it up. Is trauma what? and grief held in your shoulders and hips? So if you have any good <laughs> stretches for your shoulders and hips, I highly recommend doing that when you might be in a grief spell too. Wow. Because it actually releases that energy in your body, which is super, super helpful. And like Kate said, a physical thing. Because Kate does, you shut down when you grieve. And I explode. So you need to release energy where I need to like rein it in. <laughs> so yeah, these are a couple of tools that have helped us a lot. Mm-hmm. We're learning something new every day. I didn't even know Kate used to do this or does this. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. So that's kind of <laughs> awesome. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. And Mel has literally walked me through that episode before, or that exercise before when I had a panic attack. So it works people. Really it does. Works. And it yeah. helps if you can tell your friends and family the exercise and be like, hey, like if you notice me spiraling, <laughs> this is super helpful. Ask me these questions. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And 
you know, per usual, if you guys have tips and tricks, we definitely want to hear it too. So let us know what you do to self-soothe when you need a little bit of a, a little bit of a reset. Yes. And as always, it is what it is. And it's okay to not be okay. See you next week. Cheers.